Oh boy, the financial dilemmas working moms face. We're digging into that with Bobby Rebel. So let's do it. Are you tired of the traditional money advice? Me too. Bienvenida. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast. Join me each week for down-to-earth money conversations that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. And you will probably learn some Spanish along the way too. Lista? You ready? Empecemos with. Let's get started. ¿Qué tal? ¿Cómo estás? How is it going? I am thrilled to have you today. This is your host, Jen Hemphill. We are back from a break and I've got a powerhouse female to introduce to you today. She's accomplished, she has experienced some hardship, and she has persevered. I feel like she's such a great role model as well. Now, not putting any pressure on you, Bobby. Now, I want you to make sure before we continue that it is clear what I mean by a working mom, if you saw in the title. I don't want you to assume that it is one who works from home in any capacity or that you have a nine to five corporate job outside of the home or because even if you're staying at home mom, we are all working moms. So let's embrace that. All right. In today's episode, you are going to learn what financial lesson she learned that was brought about from her divorce. You're also going to learn the financial challenge she encountered when she transitioned to being an entrepreneur working from home and her best piece of advice for working moms on navigating career, kids, and life. And it's some good stuff. So let me share with you a little bit about Bobby Rebel. She is a CFP, which is a certified financial planner and the host of the Financial Grown Up podcast. She is also the author of the best-selling self-help personal finance book, How to Be a Financial Grown-Up, Proven Advice from High Achievers on How to Live Your Dreams and Have Financial Freedom. Bobby is a keynote speaker, conference MC, and moderator. She is also an award-winning TV anchor and a personal finance columnist and has worked for Thomson Reuters, PBS, Nightly Business Report, CNN, and CNBC. And she's also a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania. You are going to love Bobby. So let's go ahead and meet her. Te vas a enamorar de Bobby. Vamos a conocerla. Bienvenida, Bobby Rebel, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I am really pumped to have you here and to talk to you today. Thank you, Jen. So excited to be here. Now, I wanted to start off in getting to know you, your money story. How did you grow up around money? What did you hear? What did you see? What did you experience? Tell us about that. So I grew up in suburban New Jersey. My father was a Wall Street guy and my mom was eventually a lawyer. The quick backstory on that is she was a huge volunteer. She basically worked full-time as a volunteer. And one day my dad looked at her and said, you should get paid for this. This is ridiculous <laughs> if you're going to work this hard. So she went to law school and became a lawyer. So I had two very strong career role models growing up. And in fact, I was working. I had my first job by age 15. I was um, a counter girl at a bakery. 
And I had a polyester yellow uniform. I had to memorize the prices of every single baked good. It's great if you want to diet because you get over the the bakery stuff really fast (laughs) being around that much sugar. And you see the big trays of the brownies back there. You think you're going to get fat. Uh Uh-uh. Very good for diets to work at bakeries. You kind of lose the taste. But they raised me with a work ethic to always be working. And I think that that served me very well. My dad also used to, once we were old enough to be sort of, I don't want to say fully financially independent, but to have to have spending money sometimes in addition to what we earned at our jobs. For example, when we went to college, we needed some supplemental spending cash, even though I had jobs in college too. He would have us sit down and we had to plan out the semester of what we would need. Or for example, I spent a semester in France. We would say, what do you need? And we would have to lay out the budget for the whole semester of what we would need from him. And as long as we could justify it, he was very generous. He was able to give us that money, but it was hard because the number seemed so big and I always underestimated. And I always had trouble sort of making ends meet because I didn't fully know or understand the kind of unexpected cost that would come my way. So that was a good lesson learned growing up to really be careful because sometimes you don't factor certain things in to Mm -hmm. your budget. He had you do this during college you mentioned? Um, yeah, when we were going to college, if we wanted money, you know, between semesters, we would be home and he would give us our, the money that wasn't, you know, he'd pay the tuition directly, but then we had to have spending money and, you know, sorority dues, whatever it was, anything that was not tuition on that big bill, all the little, the books, all that stuff would come, we would pay for out of the money he gave us, but we had to go and estimate it. So you would have to say, what are your books going to cost? What Mm -hmm. is your food going to cost? The food plan. Are you going to get the food plan in the cafeteria? Are you going to get the one at your sorority? Are you going to just be on your own? If you're going to be on your own, what's your food going to cost? What are you going to spend on clothing? All of these things. So I had to figure it out. And like I said, I wouldn't really estimate. So for example, sophomore year, I wasn't in a dorm anymore. I was in an apartment with three other classmates, three friends, and we didn't really factor in because, you know, we just didn't know that, mm-hmm. you know, certain things don't show up. I mean, just, you know, the basic household goods, paper towels, tin foil, toilet paper, all these things that you buy in a house, we never thought about. They just appear in your dorm, Jen. Mm-hmm. So those weren't really in our budget, silly things like that. So it was a good life lesson to fall short. And then, you know, what do you get? Well, you get no new clothing for the semester because you underestimated other things and you have to kind of figure it out. Or you work more hours. I had a job at a place called The Lodge where mm-hmm. it was kind of like the gap where you fold clothes. So you could do a little more working there. Well, I love but that I, he did that in college, right? Because he was doing that, I think, intentionally. So when you graduated college, because he knew, you know what, mistakes are going to be made here. And it was really a perfect time before you entered the real world where he could still help and pick you back up, right? And I think that's just... Although I just... didn't really reach out for more money. I would just be really mindful. I would really do things like go, you know, spend less money or because it would be such a failure. It would be such a disappointment to our father if we had to come back for money. Mm-hmm. So we never really did that. I think that's fantastic. I know of a family who uh, with their kids and in high school and junior high, their allowance is big enough. And I don't know how they, you know, do the calculations. I thought this was it's it's very it's kind of similar where they get, you know, give them some a certain amount of allowance, I don't know, weekly or monthly or whatever it is. But from that allowance, they have certain responsibilities to cover their clothing, uh, underwear, socks, all that good stuff. So if they decide they're gonna pay, you know, spend a hundred dollars on a pair of tennis shoes and all of a sudden they all their socks are with holes and they don't have socks 
well, they have to figure something out. So I think those are just some fantastic lessons. And I love when I hear parents doing that because I know with parenting, sometimes we have that lack of confidence around our finances. So who are we to teach our kids? But someone needs to teach our kids. And I think we have to be transparent. I think we can, you know, share our mistakes, but there's so many money teachable moments if we look for them, right? So absolutely. I love that your dad did this. So what led you because you've had such a successful career and uh, now you're an entrepreneur. So what led you to becoming a TV anchor, a personal finance columnist? How did you transition there? How did you get there? So this is kind of a funny story. I was painfully shy in high school. And the solution back to my dad was that he basically insisted that I join the debate team. He talked me into it. (laughs) which was really scary, Jen. It was so scary. I was so scared of public speaking, but I worked through it. And the funny thing was I ended up being really good at it. I have a whole collection. They give you when you win, you get these little like hammers when you win a debate. So I have a whole (laughs) collection of hammers. I ended up, it's so funny. I didn't even want to run to be president of the debate team. And no one would run against this guy who was like the guy, you know, the guy who's like Mm -hmm. all that, who wins everything. And no one would run against him. And someone nominated me. So just, I said, fine, I'll, I'll run whatever. No one's going to vote for me. And would you know it? I ended up winning. (laughs) So I ended up being president. It's so ironic. I was president of the debate team. So that started my public speaking and I got interested in journalism. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, my dad was an investment banker and he wanted me to go work on Wall Street because that would pay well. Uh-huh. And journalism didn't pay well. And truthfully, I was very naive, I have to say. I don't think I really factored in the whole what life costs when I was really choosing my career. I have loved journalism, but I don't think I was fully aware of the, the differences in the pay, mm-hmm. let's just say. Mm-hmm. But the compromise that we reached, I wanted to do um, – an internship in the news business to see if I liked it. And the compromise was that he would support it because at the time, internships did not pay. The laws have improved a little bit. So now many internships do pay. But at the time, forget it. You want to work in media, no one's going to pay you. So I was able to get an internship in business news. It was CNN Business News, Mm -hmm. working for the team led by Lou Dobbs, the producer I actually worked for um, at the time. She was a producer behind the scenes, was Maria Bartiromo. And so the compromise was that I would learn about news, but I would do business news. So I would learn about Wall Street and learn how the stock market worked, how fixed income instruments worked and so on, so that I would eventually work on Wall Street. And by the way, he is still waiting. (laughs) (laughs) that maybe I'll go work for for a a brokerage firm. So we're still working on that. But anyway, so and by the way, an interesting thing happens there that is very a good teachable moment. I wasn't getting paid and they had a lot of interns there because if you're not paying interns, you can have a lot. And I wasn't really getting a lot to do because there were so many interns competing for the best assignments. Mm. So what I did was I offered to go on the overnight shift and because of that, I was able to get a lot more experience. And I even got things that I wrote were actually on the air. So I was able to have scripts that had aired on CNN when I got out of college, which I think helped me get my first job, which was at CNBC. I love it. Because I know I talked, I've had Farnoosh uh, recently on the podcast. And one thing that's kind of similar, she looked for uh, places where she could differentiate herself, right? And yeah, so it's, competitive. it's very competitive. So you like that, oh, the overnight shift, hardly anybody wants to do this. And I was <laughs> right? being paid, right? It's crazy. But oh, it worked out because I did get real experience. And um, like I said, I was able to write for 
for great people, Stuart Varney, who's still on the air. I believe he's on Fox. And Mm -hmm. the producer there was Maria Bartiromo when she was still behind the scenes. So I learned a lot from some really smart people. And it was a great experience. Oh, that's fantastic. So you're in your career. And now I know you're married. Uh, You've been and you've been divorced. So tell us about, you know, you've been in the career, you got married, uh, you've gotten a divorce. And what kind of what kind of challenges do you have there, like financially, in in terms of I know with some women uh, they maybe they get divorced and they've never even managed the money. So, what kind of challenges did you have around that, or maybe even in terms of um, being the breadwinner? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. So my first marriage was in my mid-20s. It's often those kind of marriages are referred to as starter marriages, but it was a marriage that I truly believed would last forever. Unfortunately, as you alluded to, it did not. I was divorced by 30. When I got married, I fully expected my career to take a backseat and I would be a young mom and have kids and that would be my primary focus. Unfortunately, for many reasons, the marriage did not work out. One factor one of many factors, but this is a money show, so we're going to talk about that, was that we really had not been on the same page financially. And so when we were dating, things were very good financially. And so a lot of things just didn't come up. Good financial times sometimes mask underlying feelings Mm -hmm. and emotions about money, to your points, because I know you focus a lot about the emotional aspects of money. Mm -hmm. And so my husband's job disappeared. His company was bought out. It wasn't his fault. And he had always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So he started an entrepreneurial venture and we had benchmarks and, you know, it it wasn't working out and it was causing a lot of tension. I was obviously the only breadwinner in the family. And we were talking about having kids and moving Mm -hmm. on with our life. And it became very frustrating because he was on a downward spiral with his business. Mm. And he was becoming critical that I was financially aspirational. I wanted to have a really firm financial footing before we had kids. I wanted to have financial security. It wasn't about buying stuff per se, but I did feel that it was important to be financially secure. And that became a big rift between us. And we did end up splitting up. There were other things I want to be very clear, Mm -hmm. but financial tension is real. Mm -hmm. And it was very sad to have that end. But round two with my current husband, who I'm very happily married to for over a decade. And we have raised three kids together. We have my stepchildren who are now 21 and 18, who are great. One is a third year college, finished her junior year. One is going to college next year. And then we have a 10 year old together. And so one thing that we both did, and it was the second marriage for both of us, is we really did talk proactively about our feelings about money before we got married and our goals and making sure that we were on the same page, that we both wanted to be financially strong, that we wanted to focus on prioritizing things like education. That's something that we really value. Prioritize home ownership. We bought our apartment in New York City very early on in our marriage. And we wanted to bring our kids up to understand the value of money. So we're very much on the same page. And we've had many ups and downs with the recession, um, career transitions, but because we are definitely in the same mindset, we've been very strong in those ups and downs together. Love it. And I love that you bring up just the importance of talking money. It's so taboo, but when you're committing to a marriage, you need to know where your um, partner stands, where, what are yeah. they thinking? What are their aspirations? Cause because in, it comes out when the things get bad. Exactly. Exactly. And you experienced it firsthand. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Now, now recently you 
transition into entrepreneurship. So you've become an entrepreneur, you're a mom, and you work from home, right? I do. I actually had expected, I thought I might get a workspace, but I found, and this is something you just have to try for yourself. I found I work really well at home. I I don't have trouble focusing. I am extremely efficient with my time. I don't have a lot of distractions. So for me, I just really like to be at home and that's the best thing for me. Also, I now have a podcast. So I have my podcasting equipment at home. So that's obviously easier to do at home. And what I do though, that I think, and I wonder if you do this, I compartmentalize my days. So I record my podcast on certain days Mm -hmm. and I have one day of the week that is for meeting people in person. And I stack all of my in-person meetings on one day and I try to keep them, if not at the same place, certainly in the same neighborhood. So I don't spend a lot of time traveling to meet people. Makes sense. I try to keep everyone in the same neighborhood on the same day. And that way it's all stacked together because otherwise as an entrepreneur, your days are too scattered and you you look up and it's three o'clock and the kids are coming home and what have you gotten done? And it's a disaster. Right. So how have you dealt with being a mom, you're, you have the, your business, you work from home. Uh, there's still you know, you're still a mom. There's still things that need to be done. And how have you balanced? How I know there's, before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. It's been some challenges that you have found in terms of, well, you have to take your child here and, or pick them up there. And, and, you know, you're in New York City, so there's a lot of traffic there, I know. Uh, okay, well, rule number time. one, Jen. Okay, New Yorker, rule number one, the traffic is irrelevant because you are not getting in the car. Can you tell I'm number not one. a New Yorker? Number one, do not get in the car. That's an amateur move. <laughs> Definitely not a New Yorker here. So yeah. tell us about that, the <laughs> challenge, because I know you expressed to me it's, uh, of getting help. Like we, we take care as women, we take care of others before we take care of ourselves, right? So right. What, what kind of, tell us a little bit about that challenge. What are the reasons that I did want to transition from working full-time because I'd been full-time television anchor, most recently at Reuters. I was also running the US Business News video division and I had a lot of other responsibilities. Like, as you mentioned, I wrote a column on millennial personal finance issues. I was doing Facebook Lives. I had this crazy, crazy job. So I had a lot of child care help, right? Mm -hmm. Built in. Now, I don't really need that because I wanted to pick my son up from school. So, but what I've recently discovered is that sometimes it's better not to have my day cut off at three and maybe once or twice a week to hire child care help just to get him. Because even though I'll say, well, I'm picking him up at 3.30 and he's got to be dropped at his tutor at four. It's so silly to hire a babysitter for half an hour because you can't really pay for half an hour. It's not fair to them, even if they'll do it. So you're hiring a babysitter for three hours for only half an hour, but it's not half an hour because your day is suddenly ending at three. And then you're not doing anything efficient while, I mean, you there. I'm plenty efficient while he's at activities, but it's still not the same. Your day is still cut off. You're coming home, you're making dinner, you're doing all these different things. And it becomes very hard when you do have a lot of work and work as an entrepreneur can be very unpredictable. So for example, I just had a surge of eight weeks where I was basically on the road all the time. It was chaos. So I was thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to need to hire an assistant. And my friend said, hold off because you know what? Right now, summer's traditionally quiet. Maybe you don't want to have a VA Mm. during the summer, right? And I do have somebody that edits my podcast. So that is, I already have somebody on the payroll. So before putting someone else on the payroll, what they suggested and what I did is I just hired a little more childcare temporarily. Mm, so that sense. I could still have the time to do the work because I had a surge in work 
And that way I was able to outsource the childcare. Outsourcing the work can become much more complicated sometimes because I have very specific social media. As you know, I do these video promos. I do Mm -hmm. a lot of customized artwork. No one else can do my podcast interviews. Nobody else can (laughs) write the podcast, right? So there's only so much that you can outsource in a business. Right, right. I have made peace with the fact that I have to sometimes allow myself to have childcare and it's not a failure as a mom. And sometimes it's okay to let my child have, you know, a frozen food meal or something like that. He Mm -hmm. likes these little, you know, frozen pizzas and stuff. They're not the healthiest thing, but it's okay once in a while. It's really okay to not make dinner from scratch every day. Thank you so much for bringing that up because it's it's so true. You know, I as a mom myself, I work from home and the the struggle is definitely there where I want to, you know, of course, as mothers, we want to give the best to our children. I want to make sure that the meals are like perfect, you know, not perfect, but right, healthy, you right? Think, well, I work from home. How can I not have time to make dinner? That seems crazy. Right. But the but... fact of the matter, it's uh, sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes fast food does happen. And sometimes, you know, I, and it's also something that I'm working on more because uh, I know those of you listening have heard me say, I want a chef. I'm still working how can I have how what I can know. I how can I get this chef uh, I need because, to get into meal planning better right that's what I need to do well and one thing that I've been um try, working on getting better is really I have a teen and I have my husband that you know they've got hands they've got feet they can move around they know how to cook uh, so it's a matter of me delegating and saying hey you know okay let's pick the menu together as a family who can take what day Right. And, and oh, I'll, and so I'll cover the rest. I haven't done it yet, but I've oh, already, okay. I, we started I love the that talk. Because I we have just, teenage stepkids that are home for the summer. Right. So I we've assigned them a night. Yeah. We, you know, we've had the discussion. You pick the menu. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's, you know, spaghetti. I'm not a big fan of spaghetti. It doesn't matter as long as it's food. Like right. you, you pick. You have to let them cook. do their thing. Exactly. So that's something I'm working on because it, it is a struggle. And it, it was also a struggle before I hired someone to clean the house. Uh, because it was like, well, we have a, you know, together, we should be able to clean the house. And but right. I, we, we work from home. home. Why can't you clean the house? <laughs> right. Exactly. So but it's not that simple. Right. And so I finally decided this, I'm doing this for me. So I think as women, we have to look at not the perspective that okay, this is something we can do easily, but more about how can I better take care of me so I can be the better person? Because then we get upset or we kind of yell, you know, kind of all of a sudden to our children because, you know, we're frustrated. But I think that's something that as women, we need to to address because we tend to go, go, go and take uh, care of others better than we do ourselves, right? Yes, exactly. Um, and I've learned that, you know, if I cut off my day and I have so much work and I rush to pick up my son at school, I pick him up and then I'm deep into my phone answering emails mm-hmm. and doing all these things and I'm ignoring him. And it's better to let somebody else pick him up, let me finish my work and then be present. focused on him and be mm-hmm. present when the babysitter leaves. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm still a work in progress, but that's something I'm we all are working. <laughs> working towards. So being that you've had the experience of being a mom while being uh, had having the traditional day job, uh, but actually a very demanding job, right? Uh, And to maneuvering into entrepreneurship, what are some, uh, what is your best advice for any working mom, whether they're entrepreneurs or at a job uh, for just navigating that career and family? And we talked about it a little bit, but what else would you add to that? 
think it's important to be clear about your priorities. And going back to what we said about childcare, they can become muddled because I said, well, my priority is that I don't want to come home mentally and physically exhausted every day and see my son for 20 minutes and then, you know, put him to bed and I have no idea what's going on in his life. Mm -hmm. So I was very resistant to until very recently having any childcare, right? Mm -hmm. Because that was so much the reason that was driving the way that I restructured my life. But you have to really think about the quality of that. And like I said, two days a week, whatever you need every week's different. Delegating that is not a failure. And that's something that I've had a really hard time coming to terms with that just because I'm working from home, this is a real business. I am earning at this point, I'm actually earning more than I did at my old job, believe it or not, which is amazing. I am happily shocked. So, (laughs) so I have to remember that even though I'm at home, sometimes in my yoga pants all day, there is income coming in. It is a real business. It's a real job. And that if I need to do things like higher childcare to be more effective in that job and grow the business and to be better as a mom because I'm not distracted. Mm -hmm. And I still have that issue. Yesterday, I was rushing to get ready to go out to a dinner and I needed to get some stuff done regarding the podcast. And I basically picked up my son and just ignored him for an hour. And it's terrible to do that, but it happens. So I'm trying to just get better at understanding that and knowing that my son understands, but at least I'm home. Right. You know, doing that. And, you know, we're working on now that I'm home from this big stretch of travel, we're going to hopefully systematize things better and have more happen while he's not home. I love it. Love it. You mentioned, yes, we're definitely a work in progress. And sometimes we reach different seasons in our life where we have to shift and just kind of restructure things again. And then until the next season happens, I think I think from all of this and from what I'm hearing from you as well as that we really need to be flexible as well. Yeah. Uh, Because I think that's just, that's just key. That's definitely key. I mean, you think things are going to be a certain way and then they're not. Mm -hmm. I know certain aspects of my business that I thought would be the biggest income streams have been fine. And then things that I never even heard of that I didn't know existed turned out to be really lucrative. (laughs) It's crazy. You have to be prepared to pivot, see where the demand is for which of your skills and really focus. Right. I love it. And make choices. Absolutely. Well, Bobby, this has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed having you. And as you know, this podcast is about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? Her money matters because. Because you always have to own it yourself. No matter who else is around you, at the end of the day, you are responsible for your own financial stability and your own financial foundation. Love it. Well, this has been fantastic. And thanks again for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm such a fan of the podcast. I'm a fan of yours. (laughs) What did you think? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy chatting with Bobby. Be sure to check out her podcast, The Financial Grown Up, and actually look for her videos online that she does promote in the podcast. They are just so awesome and so creative. So you can either Google Financial Grown Up, the podcast, search for Bobby Rebel, or simply go to our show notes and we will have a link for you, your choice. Now, I want to talk about this chat with Bobby further, but before we do, let's get to that La Mención Semanal, the weekly shout out. And this week, I have to say it goes to multiple people uh, because in the community, there has been such a surge of conversation starters where people are just starting their own conversation, asking questions, Uh, shared an experience, and 
I absolutely have loved reading that. Now, I haven't been able to comment on everything, but I want to recognize a few people. I know it's not everyone, but uh, some of the ladies that have started these conversations in our group, Keila or Kayla, I'm not sure. Tell me if I pronounced it right. And Veronica, Susanna, Cassie, Mary, just to name a few. So thank you, ladies, for just putting yourself out there, asking a question, sharing an experience, just starting a conversation. It gives an example for the others that maybe are hesitant to talk just because money's a scary thing. So I appreciate you because you're setting an example for others. So in today's conversation, one of the parts that I really appreciated was addressing the dilemmas that we face as women. We beat up ourselves about those things we can do on our own and how we don't have to spend that money. The fact is the times have changed. The demands that we face are higher. Before our roles were to maintain the household, the traditional roles, that is. But now we want to have our careers and that's completely okay. We want to do something meaningful for us aside from raising our families. And that's completely okay and fantastic. But depending on our household dynamics, a lot of our household stuff still falls on us to do, right? So basically, our responsibilities have substantially increased. Now, we are incredible in getting things done, but can we get all these things done while taking good care of ourselves? That's the question. Probably not. This is why it's so important to get help, and it's okay to pay money to get the help that you need, whether it's having someone clean your home, whether it's for some food service. Now, notice that Bobby made an intentional decision of spending some extra money for a babysitter as it was taking care of herself so she could be a better mom, right? So the babysitter, maybe the babysitter was there with her kid and while she was also in the house, right? Well, naturally, the babysitter was going to be there for a kid, right? Because if not, I would question this. But what I'm saying is she may have still been in the house working with while the babysitter was there with her kid, right? And The point is, this was a way for her to take care of herself so she can be a better mom versus her having her child, her son there, trying to work. The son may need something, right? And she's trying to work and that can get to be a frustrating spot. And I'm sure those moms listening have been there. And I know that Bobby mentioned it earlier, we don't need to feel like a failure whatsoever, right? Hiring that babysitter didn't make her a bad mom. It doesn't make us a bad mother or spouse or anything, just getting that extra help, right? It doesn't make us. It's really allowing us to take care of ourselves, right? And here in the Her Money Matters podcast in our community, we embrace that because the better we take care of ourselves, and I'm not, I'm talking to myself as well, because I need reminders of this all the time, but in taking care of ourselves, we can be the best version of us, right? The best version of ourselves. And in doing that, we can make better decisions. We're happier. We can make better financial decisions, all of that. So it causes a domino effect. And I can't express that any more strongly. And obviously I got a little passionate here. So hopefully all that made sense. So getting that help, whether it's paid or from your family is again, taking care of yourself. And I guess I'm repeating this, but that's okay. Sometimes we need to repeat it for it to stick. And we, when we take care of ourselves, 
Again, it allows us to be the best version of ourselves, to do what we do best. And that is kicking butt in all aspects of our lives. And of course, our financial life is included in that. All right, rant over. That is enough about that. So again, if you love Bobby as much as I do, just make sure you check out her podcast. They are short, fantastic listens. I fortunately had the opportunity to be a guest on her show, which I will be sure to link up in the show notes. Now listen, I know being a hardworking mom, we are bound to continue to face those financial dilemmas like the ones we mentioned in this episode. Naturally, it's going to happen. We already mentioned we don't need to feel guilty, but how do we do that, right? It's a matter of reflection and simply exploring why we feel that guilt. Now, my daily money ritual is a perfect spot to do this. It's a simple worksheet that helps you regroup your financial life, whether in how you're feeling about money to the practicals, how-tos of money that you are feeling challenged by. So you can grab your free copy over at jenhemphill.com forward slash ritual. Next week, we're continuing a fantastic conversation. We're going to be talking to Bryn Conray. And we're going to be diving deep into this fascinating conversation about economic inequality. So stay tuned for that. So that is a wrap for today. I want to thank Bobby for joining us, for sharing her story, for sharing all the golden nuggets today. You can find out more about her in our show notes over at jenhempill.com forward slash 154. And don't forget, if you love this episode, I would greatly appreciate it if you share it with your friend, stranger, coworker, family member. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know what other people are going through. And just the sheer fact of sharing this either episode or this podcast can make a world of a difference for them. And also the sister podcast to this one called the Sudinero Importa podcast is out. So if you're a Spanish speaker or know someone who is, do tell them about it. It's very similar to this one, only more Spanish is spoken and the guests are different as well. So I appreciate you being here and listening and I will talk to you next Thursday. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.